Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. We are all entitled to sexual health, just as much as physical and mental health. We want to make it easier for folks to find resources. However they engage with us, there's no wrong door. So it's important that people are able to get access to care that is affirming. Talking about what their sex life is, about their concerns, and to make sure they're healthy. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your sexual health matters. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Phones to silent, doors to cross-check, hold on to your hats. This is Five Yard Rush, your fantasy football podcast, with your hosts, Stocks, Sparky, Murph, and Nick. Hey, what's going on, Rush Nation? Welcome to Tuesday's show. The big man is back. He's back off IR. We're not in the studio, do we have to confess? Murph is still bed rest-ish. I don't know, Murph not in bed, no? We'll call it quarantine, uh, <laughs> public health order, um, IR is... Uh, I was a horrible place. Uh, don't want to come back. Um, but I saw, I spoke to Ethan, our injury expert, and he was kind enough to give me a clean bill of health to at least still be quarantined, but to do this. So it's all good. Recovering well. Still not quite 100%, but it's uh, good to be back in the podcast world. Uh, last week was very strange not doing a podcast. I'll tell you that now. Oh, mate, it was even weirder doing it without you. I was steering the ship alone, and I was, I was nervous, to say the least, but... I dragged it through, and it's good to have you back. But Rush Nation, enough about the illness hitting Five Yard Rush. We have a special guest today. It's the other half of the Fancy Pros podcast. It's Mike Tagliere. Tags, thanks for joining us. How are you doing? No, I appreciate you guys having me on. I'm doing good. I um, just got done with uh, actually recording our podcast, so um, voice is all ready to go, ready to rock, and uh, talk some football with you guys. We're really excited. It's good to good to speak. I know we've chatted a little bit uh, in the interim, and you, you're so busy at the moment with uh, all the draft content and everything you're putting out. So, really appreciate the time you're giving us. Oh no, I appreciate you guys having me on. I'm always down to talk some football, and uh, during the off season is like it's, I have some time to do some things. Um, whereas in season, it's just like that. That's a grind. Um, where it's like doing any podcast outside of the norm is just like impossible. 
Yeah, I bet. Do you, uh, Murph and I were just talking about how we listen to so many podcasts, they pretty much fill their podcasts with the same stuff, just talked differently. Do you get bored of the draft just before the draft? It definitely can get boring um, at times because you're talking about the same thing for a lot of different months. And I think that's why a lot of, of the podcasts, you'll see them, you know, go down to like one episode a week because it's like, you don't have to talk about the same exact thing. And we're trying to mix it up to where we don't always talk about draft. We'll talk about free agents. We'll talk about uh, some of the, like the coaching changes. But my favorite thing to do is like the mock draft episodes, because like when I'm putting together, like I just did my fifth mock draft and uh, my final one will come next week. Um, you know, doing that, it's like you have it programmed in your mind that teams have a certain need, uh, but things don't always go like that, right? We like the teams are going to think differently than we do. Their, you know, their big boards are going to be different. So when on a podcast, when you have like three different people, those different point of views are going to like throw a wrench into your plans where it's like, oh, wow, I thought this player was going to be here. He just went off the board. So now who does this team pick? And that's, that's really how it feels to be an NFL team. So those are my favorite exercises when you get like, you know, three, four different people in a room and uh, you, you just start talking about, you know, a mock draft and you each take turns like picking for different teams and it it literally just throws a wrench into all the mock draft work that you've done because there's just players there that you really didn't think were going to be there and uh it that's why I love the draft so much it's like you know finding out the the final fate for these players that we've talked about for months and months and like all this research did it pay off what gms are smart which ones aren't who's going to reach because you know there's going to be a lot of players who are going to go far before a lot of people expected yeah, I mean, I'm. We'll talk a little bit about the draft in a bit, but I'm currently doing some stupid 46 round IDP 18 <laughs> for quarterback. Every, basically, you're playing everybody in American football. And it is stupid. It, like, is. <laughs> it is the stupidest format I've ever heard. Yeah. Tags, they're playing with three kickers in the starting lineup. Oh, there should be no kickers. Kickers, kickers are out. Um, no, I, the the biggest league I play, and honestly, it's a we have a fourteen team league, and it is it's not IDP, but it is thirty six man rosters in a fourteen team. So I'm not kidding, guys like JJ Watt are owned in case they get like a goal line carry or something like that. Like if you, <laughs> it, because we start like we I think we start at least minimum three running backs up to five, and then a minimum of five receivers up to eight. So it's like it's a very very deep league where you're starting guys like Taylor Gabriel every single week. Uh, so when bye weeks come around, that that league is brutal. Yeah. Well, we were just talking about bye weeks. One of the guys has got five kickers to cover that, but three of them on bye week nine. So that's I'm not nuts. sure what he's done there. That's nuts. But um, yeah, I was just interested on your before we get into the draft on Hakeem Butler because he's still available in the 39th round, and I'm wondering whether I should take him. Hakeem Butler's there in the 39th round. Yeah. Yeah, I'll take him. <laughs> um, there's so much stuff on him. Like uh, I was just talking about him um, not long ago, and he's a guy that his uh, his ball tracking skills are next level. Like he's already he walks into the NFL basically as one of the best ball trackers I've seen. Uh, he tracks the ball over his shoulder really well. He high points it pretty well. Um, he only has the one year of production, but um, there's there are traits to his game that remind me a lot of AJ Green and the fact that he's worked with Calvin Johnson uh you know before the combine he got together with Calvin Johnson to work on uh you know the release off the line of scrimmage because he was struggling with press and it was basically because he was leaving his chest exposed the fact that he's working with a receiver like Calvin Johnson that's exactly what AJ Green did he worked with Calvin Johnson the offseason and became like a more complete receiver so Hakeem Butler uh you know is he a sure thing no uh, landing spots going to matter quite a bit, but at the same time, I think his ceiling is massive, and it's just as high as arguably anybody else in this draft class. Okay, so I'll go ahead and take him. <laughs> there you go. Well, let's talk a bit about you, Tags. Like, how did you get into football and talking about fantasy football for a living? 
So it's really odd. Uh, I played sports growing up naturally. Uh, like, and, uh, I gave up sports actually when I turned, uh, it was right when I turned 17, I wanted to work. And, um, I actually had a chance to graduate early from high school. Um, so I, I just basically went, I, I worked, worked, worked. I didn't even go to college right out of high school. Um, where I, I went to work for my dad, we built and delivered office furniture. And, uh, I ended up basically hurting my back real bad. Uh, I fractured a few vertebrae. I blew out a few discs and I had to have a fusion on my back. And uh, basically, my doctor said, it's probably not best to go back into a physical job. So at that point, I went into school for broadcasting because I had always wanted to do some, something with sports. And I felt like that was an avenue that I, I could try and do it. And while doing that, I started working in finance because my brother had a connection there. So it was just like my, my life took an unexpected turn because of my back. But while rehabbing, it took a year to rehab from that where I couldn't work. Um, and so I started writing about football just as like, because it was always my hobby. And I wrote just for my own personal use. And, um, I started posting my thoughts on players inside of our group chat. And, you know, I, I didn't really think anybody cared, but until one, one weekend I went to the bears game and, uh, I didn't post it. And I got text messages from almost everyone in the league saying, Hey, where, where are your thoughts in the game? Like you're leaving us dry here. And I'm like, I didn't think you cared. And for my friends to tell me that it was a lot because my friends, you know, were the type of group that we just give each other crap all the time. So, um, basically from that point, it's like my wife is asking me, why don't you, why don't you post your thoughts somewhere? Why don't you post your writing somewhere? And, um, I was like, I don't know. Where would I even do it? I didn't, I didn't know how to start a website. Literally. I was, I was, this was like the internet was still in the beginning stages. It, you know, 2009, I think was when we started talking about that, where I didn't know much about the internet. I just knew how to look up stuff. Um, and she's like, well, if you had a website, what would it be called? And, um, I said, I don't know, tags, fantasy football because tags was my nickname growing up. And 10 minutes later, she's handing me her laptop, said she bought me a domain, bought the, the website and um, create it. And from that, I just kind of ran with it. And while I was working in finance, I you know sacrificed a lot of time uh, to do writing. And every follower I got, every email I got from uh, uh, you know someone that read my work, it was just like, oh my God, someone found it and someone actually cares. So as it started growing, it's just, I wanted to do it more and more. And it was like, this is what I want to do for a living through the broadcasting thing. Um, I just want to write and, you know, eventually podcast. And so it's weird how the world works, but, um, basically I got into fantasy football because I broke my back in half. <laughs> That's still incredible though. It's, I, I love asking people what they're that, like how they do it because it's never anybody's first choice. And I guess actually, if you go across any career, um, it's never really anybody's first. You get very few people that maybe go into, you know, teachers, nurses, doctors, lawyers, maybe, but yeah. most people, they kind of fall into the profession that they end up doing and, and absolutely love it. And there's always that one sort of sliding doors uh, moment that, that drives them there. And that, uh, I just think it's fascinating to, to hear that. I just think it sometimes takes a while for you to, to, to grow as a person and realize a lot of things because at the same time that I hurt my back and had that, um, I unfortunately lost my dad at that time. So, um, he like, basically my life just changed so much at that time. And it was like, I, I started thinking more as a grown up because I think once my dad died, I think you're forced to think a little bit like older, like you're no longer a kid. Even if I was, you know, 20, I think it was 25 years old. Even if I was 25 years old, I, I, I was still a kid at heart. Like I didn't think about grown up things and it forced me to think about things. And he had always told me that, and it's the one piece of advice that I tell people now that, your parents will tell you and you'll never believe them, but I promise you it's the best advice you could ever tell someone is that if you want something bad enough, you will do it, but you really will. And you know, I was a smart ass as a kid. So I'd always tell my dad, 
I wasn't fast. Like I, I, I would never run in the fours of a 40. Um, and I was, he, and I was like, dad, if I wanted to, I could never beat Carl Lewis in a race. And he's like, Mike, if you wanted to bad enough, you would do it. You really could do it. And, uh, for whatever reason that stuck with me, like as I, I didn't realize the, the magnitude of it until I got older. And when I put my mind to it, like I put my mind to doing this for a living and I worked for free on my own website, uh, for four years, got hired in a, a part-time job at PFF. Eventually that they offered me a full-time job for in season. And then that led to me getting offered a full-time year round, uh, job from fantasy pros. So it's like, I put my mind to it and I did it. And you know, just because I'm doing it now doesn't mean I'm going to stop with that drive because I know that there's someone out there just like me who's willing to put in that time and they, they really do want it and they're going to make it. And I don't ever want anybody to take it away from me. That's cool. It comes through in your work. Uh, it really does. Um, you know, I listen to your podcast. We both listen to your podcast. That's why we wanted you on and uh, we read your work and we'll get onto the primer in a bit because I'm fascinated by it. It's a must read for me and it's, it's a Bible for anybody that plays the game. And, uh, it, I can see the amount of blood, sweat, and tears that goes into it, and it's an incredible piece. And I think I tweet it out from our account every week when you put it up because it's an incredible piece of work, and it comes all the way through. So you'll, I know you'll never stop because you can see the passion in the work, and it's it's amazing to to, to see and and to hear. I appreciate that. That like seriously, that means a lot. I, I thank you for that, and I I appreciate. I always it's always different talking about your journey and stuff like that, but I it's always good to hear people say that. So I appreciate it. No, always. I had to scale back the amount of podcasts I was listening to and yourself and Bobby and the fantasy footballers. If I only listen to two a week, it's those two. And then I'll, I'll outstreach from there just because you guys are good and they're good. And, and I, I was going to ask you about advice you'd give to our listeners who want to talk about their passion. But I, I, I take from what you said that just, if you want it bad enough, go get it. Yeah. Cool. Well, you mentioned the bears. Are they your team? Yeah, the Bears are my team. Uh, you know, being from Chicago, naturally, like, I, fortunately, I got to grow up watching Michael Jordan. And um, I actually just had this conversation in Fantasy Pros, our Slack chat earlier today, I was saying that I don't say this about many athletes, but I feel like I literally I was privileged to grow up watching Michael Jordan play. Like, you know, people say that about Tiger Woods and what he does for golf. And, you know, he just won a major, obviously, again. Uh, but I felt privilege to watch Jordan and it just so happened that they were a Chicago team and my dad was a, a sports guy so it's naturally I have to root for all those teams and you know we have a, a couple of baseball teams so I had to pick one and being from relatively the south side uh, I'm, a, I'm a Sox fan um, but yeah it's Chicago and the thing is is so many people will tell you that you don't have to be a fan of a team just because you're from there and well that's true um, you, I'm not gonna tell anybody what they should do but the thing is it's no fun to like just to I'm mean, like the Browns, right? Like I, I tell people that I'm, I've been a closet Browns fan because I feel like that team has been good for the last, like they, they've been building something that was going to be good. It was just getting rid of Hugh Jackson and actually moving forward. And when they drafted Baker, it's like, I would love to be a fan of the Browns, but I'm a fan of the bears because you have to ride the ups and downs. You know, it's like anything in life. There's it's, it's not always going to be roses. You can't just switch teams like that. Like granted there, the bears have made some stupid moves uh, like hiring John Fox, I, I didn't like the hire when it happened. You know, a lot of people did, but those are the things that happen with a relationship with anything. And it's like, if you're jumping from team to team, you really have no loyalty and really, you're not going to feel that sense of accomplishment, like as a fan, when they actually win something, you know what I mean? Like the bears haven't won since 85. So when they do actually win, it's going to be special. And that's why ultimately I, I, I paid the money to go to the bears playoff game this year. And that was the, uh, that was, I've been to a lot of sporting events and uh, I don't think I've ever had the life sucked out of me and the, the life sucked out of the stadium like I did 
um, at that game because when that kick bounced off the field goal post, it was like, did it go in? Like we didn't, and all of a sudden you just see them, you know, the refs put their arms out and you're just like, oh my God, like what the hell just happened? Like and everybody, like there was so much energy in there and all of a sudden it just went south. And, you know, unfortunately you have some fans that are going to be screaming some things that are you know, a lot of inappropriate things. And I'm not one of those guys. These, they're all humans just like us. You know, they're going to lose. They're going to go home to their families. Do they feel good about it? No, but it should it end their life. No. Um, but it was, uh, but that, that's, that's what it, that's what it means to be a fan, to ride those ups and downs and go through that. And eventually, you know, when they do win that Super Bowl, I'm going to be there to support them. I love that. It's, it, it's so true. And it's amazing when you, when you see such a great sporting dynasty and then it's so long before you see something build again. Um, I'm kind of doing that in reverse in, in soccer. So I, I grew up uh, very close to Arsenal stadium as a kid. And, uh, you know, I watched this be not great to dominating and, and setting records with one of the best players ever to play the game. And now watched it go all the way down and now rebuilding. And it's, you can't ever take it away. It's the same with Buccaneers. You know, I've had to endure 10 years and no playoffs tag. So, <laughs> uh, you know, and, I, and I've had to watch Greg Schiano and uh, mm-hmm. Lovey Smith <laughs> and Dirk Cutter. Like mm-hmm. one winning season in 10 is, is not pretty. So, yeah, and, and I'm, I'm with you. I'm a closet Browns fan. I kind of want them to do well. And mm-hmm. if anybody's uh, owed a championship at, at some point for pain and suffering and time served, it's going to be those guys when they do it. Oh. So, uh, we know a lot of Browns fans here. In fact, the Browns are a bit of a cult team here now. They kind of last year because no one wanted to pick the winning horse. Everyone wanted to pick a team that was starting their journey. They've become exceptionally popular over here, and Hard Knocks oh, yeah. helped with that. So, yeah, uh, it's it's strange uh, to see. <laughs> I know more Browns fans than I know Giants fans. Wow, that's crazy. And thinking New York, Cleveland, like that's that's actually pretty big. And I even said, so if you look last year down my timeline, I actually tweeted something out. I think it was in, I want to say it was in March of last year. I said, if you want to get on a bandwagon before it's cool to do so, like become a Browns fan right now. And because um, I, I did feel like that, you know, I wanted them to draft Baker at number one and eventually he was going to get fired. I mean, he was going to do that to himself. Um, so like to know where they're at and now, I'll, obviously getting Odell, that's massive. <laughs> Um, now they're trying to trade back into the first round. I don't know what's happening, but it, it's an exciting time to be a Browns fan for sure. It really is. With the NFL growing in England at such a rapid rate, and if the Browns have an amazing season this year, all the people getting involved who don't have a team naturally pick the best team. Obviously. Uh, <laughs> 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 oh, just, just, yeah, just don't become a fan of, like, I don't know, the, the Lions. Yeah. Or the Patriots, because you know that ship is going to end very That's going to end. Yeah, it's going to crash and burn at some point. Yeah. So I don't, that's not a boat I'd be wanting to jump on. <laughs> um, yeah, you want to try and pick an up-and-coming horse. and Yeah, the Browns seem to be a good bet, but I sure. think there's a, a few sneaky teams up there that I think are worth uh, consideration. I quite like what the Jets have done. It, I don't like it. I'm not a big fan of Adam Gaze, but I think if yeah. if he can do something, then you know, with what they're starting to assemble there, they could be quite exciting and in two years time Gase might be one of those huge Hugh Jackson type guys where it's like he's better as a coordinator um I, I think that some guys just are better as coordinators than they are as head coaches and I think Adam Gase is one of those guys because he he ran a pretty good offense like obviously Peyton Manning made him look a lot better than he may have been as an offensive coordinator uh but at the same time it's like there's some guys who are just are better in a coordinator role and I think Gase is probably Hugh Jackson too because he wasn't a bad offensive coordinator but he was one of the worst head coaches I've ever I've ever watched so um Unfortunately, the Jets, the hire of Adam Gase, I wasn't a big fan. I, I, 
It might be better than Mike McCarthy, though. So I, I don't know. It wasn't a great offseason to hire a coach unless you're a Bucks fan like you. Uh, Bruce Arians was a phenomenal hire. Yeah, looking forward to him coming over here. And yeah, well, I think it's going to be October. We're still waiting on the dates, but nice. uh, very lucky they're coming over again this year. I've seen them the yeah. previous three times they've been here. And yeah, looking forward to that. Hopefully we'll pick up a W this time because we've lost on our previous times here. We lost the Bears here. I went to that game. Uh, <laughs> the Bears beat us here on, uh, at, at Wembley. So I, I don't want to taste another W on uh, in London. So yeah, <laughs> no. I mean, if, if the Bears play them again, obviously I want the Bears to win. But uh, <laughs> I, I don't know if the Bears are going to London again this year. I don't think they are. They are. Um, yeah, they, they are, are again. They've got the. Wait, they're playing the Raiders, aren't they? Yes. Ha. Huh. Okay. Maybe it'll be Kyler Murray led Raiders. I don't know. Um, I, I don't. I'm not buying the Cardinals taking him at number one. I. Uh, I don't know. I, I think it's a bunch of fluff right now. I don't know why, but. They're going to lose all their their entire bargaining power with Josh Rosen if they don't trade him before the draft. So, because yeah. like afterwards, teams are going to be like, he's going to sit on your bench unless you trade him for this. You know what I mean? But now he probably has more value. So, I don't know. I I, I think that Josh Rosen is still the quarterback for the Cardinals in 2019. Yeah, we've we've always said it. We don't think that they're taking him number one overall. It just it doesn't make sense. They've got so many holes in their entire mm-hmm. roster. Yep, it's just. Wasted, well, not a waste of time, but it was a wasted draft pick last year. Right, Tags, let's talk 2018 fantasy season. How did you do? How many leagues were you in? Did you win any? Yeah, um, <laughs> I, <clears throat> I lost track at one point, <clears throat> and I went back and counted. So I, bet I was in 18 leagues this year, um, which is too damn many. Um, I, uh, I tell people this all the time, is that I was a big player, and like my wife, she supported... Like, she's like, whatever the buy-in is, I don't really care because she knew it was like an investment because like, basically I was the type of owner that I knew who was on everyone's team. I, I like, I legitimately knew the holes in their team. I knew my holes. I knew what the playoff rosters were going to look like. I knew everything. And it was like, I always, I was going to make the playoffs. And obviously I, during the regular season, I built my team for the playoffs because I knew their schedules. But at some point you have to go from player to analyst and you have to choose. And, uh, I got there, I think it was, a uh, three years ago when PFF offered me the full-time in-season job um, where, because like before then it was always like, Oh my God, what if my league mates see this article that I post on my sleepers or what if they do this or what if they do that? And, and it would always worry me and it, it might, it might hold me back in terms of when I would release something or whatever. And I was like, you know what? I got to stop doing this. Like, you know, if I want to do this for a living, I have to like literally push all my chips in and say, if my league mates read it, it just means I have another reader. So it is what it is. And um, I became a player first or, or uh, an analyst first, player second. So unfortunately, some of my leagues fell to the, the back end. Fortunately, I mean, but the thing is, I haven't had a, a losing season in terms of monetary. Um, I haven't had a losing season since I started playing fantasy. So I'm still doing good. It's just I, I feel like I'm not a good owner anymore. So when people like invite me into a league, I'm like, I, I'm really sorry. I wish I could, but I'm just not a good owner. Like I, I'm the type of owner now that I hated having in my league uh because like every like maybe fifth waiver wire i might miss a player and that i should have grabbed just because i was busy doing work stuff and it's like i i overlooked one of my leagues and i forgot to do it and i never forget to set a lineup that hasn't happened yet um but i just feel like i should know more i should respond to trade offers the same day so I'm, a lot of times i don't know and it just makes me feel bad so i'm trying to cut back on my leagues um but I don't want to leave any dynasty leagues because I know that leaves people high and dry and my rosters that I've built are really good. So I really don't want to. So it's like, I'm tr- I think I'm searching for a co-manager now that I just want someone that we could help. We could build the teams together, but um, it was profitable. It was good. Um, 
I think I finished around 20th in the accuracy competition. So it wasn't as high as I would have liked, but it's also not bad when you consider there was like 150 people and there's a lot of people in there that are really smart. So um, fantasy football is a very, um, it's a very finicky thing, like where it's like one little percentage point can swing things a long way. And um, ultimately, as you guys probably know, I'm, I'm process over results. So if my process was good and I feel it was, then eventually the results will show that. And that's why I think even in, even as a not so good owner anymore, I was still profitable because my, the results are become from the process. So if that makes sense. No, for sure. I think that's a really important thing. Um, I always try and explain to people that, you know, fantasy football is a lot like poker. You play odds, you play percentages. And Mm -hmm. if you can do that, with the right process, with the right guidance and the right information, you'll win more than you lose. You won't win all the time. For sure. And you'll get upsets and freak results. And you can put a Todd Gurley out there and lose to a Kaimi Fairbairn. Um, it <laughs> happens. But you can't, you can't odds it and you just have to accept it. So I, I, that, I, that's why I think I relate to a lot of the work you do because it is process-driven and it is about, you know, the right behaviors and the right moves and, and backing it. And I'm still quite an emotional player though. I still get really frustrated if, uh, <laughs> if you make that decision and it, it doesn't work, I still kind of question it, but when you go back and you review it and you take that time, mm-hmm. then, you know, you have to just accept that it doesn't always fall your way. Um, I got incredibly lucky this year. I only played in five leagues and only drafted in four. I picked up one sort of halfway through the season and, and won three championships and got to the, nice. the final of the other. Yeah. Um, and I think I got very lucky because when everyone was struggling for injuries, I picked up a lot of handcuffs and they came good, you know, listen to you. Actually, one of the pieces of advice was to, I think you said to go and get Spencer Ware and uh, Damien Williams and start handcuffing. It was you and Bobby talking about yeah. handcuffs. And I went out there and started stacking them. And then the cream hunt thing happened. The people were looking at the, the waiver wire. Hey, where's, where's Spencer Ware? Where's Damien Williams? I already <laughs> napped him. I napped him before the whole instant happened. It's just, that's awesome. That's um, awesome pick up other people's handcuffs and you know you never know when you've got nothing to lose go for it yep absolutely and that's that's why i think carlos hyde is one of the better late round picks this year like um people are drafting damian williams in like the third fourth round and i I'm, that's not that's not terrible i guess um but i i actually would say draft both of them because you're almost locked into getting an rb1 on your team it's funny we had that same conversation did we stocks about your draft you're in uh with mckinnon and uh breeder one i think we one of those is going to be the one i think I don't know. Just Kevin Coleman was the two behind Freeman over in Fal- uh, Atlanta, sorry, and I think mm-hmm. he's going to be the secondary back in San Francisco. Very possible. You don't sound too convinced, Tags. Have I got this wrong? I don't. I don't feel great about that. I, I just don't know. I, I there has to be something that happens in the draft with wide receivers there, because if there's not, then there's a lot of targets up for grabs uh, with McKinnon. So McKinnon might play more of a receiver role than anything. Um, but the fact that they got Coleman and that. Shanahan knows him and like they have a history together and he was successful under Shanahan. It makes me feel like Tevin Coleman's probably the the one that you'd want if you were choosing one, but where what's the cost? You know what I mean? Like would I rather have like right now I I would have a hard time choosing between someone like him and like Mike Davis. Like I think people are undervaluing Mike Davis right now severely. And the reason I say that is because the Bears Early in the offseason, they went and got Mike Davis. It wasn't like, okay, we waited up until July and we signed a running back. No, no. It was at the start of free agency. They gave him a two-year, I think, $8 million deal um, and traded away Jordan Howard. You know, the Bears don't have a pick till the third round. So it's like a lot of running backs that are drafted in the third, fourth, fifth round, they're not. a lot of those guys don't contribute right away. And the Bears have some other 
holes to fill. You know, Adrian Amos lost him in free agency. I know they signed Clinton Dix, but um, they lost Bryce Callahan, their slot cornerback in, in free agency. So they have some holes in their team they have to fill, and you want to add some depth at some other places before adding a running back, especially when you have Mike Davis, who's capable on all three downs. Uh, you have Tariq Cohen. You don't you don't need a three down back in the draft because if you do that, then you're taking away from what Tariq Cohen does. And it's like taking him off the field. Is that really a, a good thing? So I think people are undervaluing Mike Davis right now. And I don't think that the bears are going to draft a running back. If they do take one, I would say it's probably in the fifth, sixth or seventh round. Cool. Well, just for some, some background, I took them in the 13th at the end of the 13th, beginning of the 14th round as a pairing on the turn. So I, 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 I think the value was there. And Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. There's no way that so you're Tevin Coleman and Jared McKinnon. No, uh, McKinnon and Breda. Coleman went. Oh, and Breda. Yeah, gotcha. So yeah, Matt, Matt Breda. He's so cheap. I can't see them like moving on from him. I don't think that he's going to get released or anything. But um, yeah, that's it's a weird backfield. I have no idea why they signed Tevin Coleman. That's basically what it comes down to. Yeah, I didn't and really. I have no, yeah, I have no idea why he went so cheap as well. There mm-hmm. must have been teams that were in for him. Mm. Um, having said that I just don't see with what he's produced the last two years he had the great opportunity to take great strides last year uh, he had the whole backfield of himself pretty much and he just yep. didn't, he didn't deliver yeah so, he had a timeshare back yeah for sure right tags fantasy football let's talk your primer can you explain to Rush Nation what it is if they don't already know yeah so the primer is something like when I talked about when I started my website back then like when I was just wrote, wrote writing things I, I basically wrote a paragraph on on my rankings so my rankings a lot of people look at lists and they just see rankings and I always felt like there was a void it was like tell me why I should be playing that player over this player and people still do that on Twitter and I'm like seriously just check out the primer it can answer it a lot better ways than I can and it's non-biased either because when I'm I, I write about every single player from every game now that's something I wasn't able to do when I was doing it you know, I was doing my finance full time and it was like, I was getting off work and it was like, I started working on football. There's no way that I could write the primer if I didn't, you know, if I didn't have this as a full-time job now. Um, the primer is, uh, it's about 30,000 words a week uh, that I write. And um, it is literally every game, uh, every player from every game, there's a paragraph on them. And it, and it kind of goes through and talks about them from a season long standpoint, from a DFS standpoint, why you should like them that week, why you shouldn't. I'll give you trends. I'll give you comparisons. I'll tell you who the cornerback that is that they're going to match up with, why they're a good cash game play, why they're a better tournament play, uh, whatever I can basically. And um, I did that because I, I basically, I, I wish I had the time to answer all the questions that everyone has. But instead of doing that, it's like, I'm going to take that time and I'm going to literally help everyone at once and it's like this is going to do it and I own shares of so many different players that it's like I don't like one player more than the other just because I'm, I'm attached to that player I also have told you guys that I am a I'm an analyst first player second I know that there's guys in the industry who will legitimately not talk about certain sleepers they like for DFS a particular week because they rely on it for income and it's that's part of their job and that's fine but I'm not that guy. Like I'm going to lay everything on the line. I'm going to tell you exactly who I think you should play, who I would play, um, and kind of go from there. So it's it's a one-stop shop to give you the idea is that it will have you prepared for every week and so that you do have that whole process over results idea that you know the process was good, the results aren't always going to be perfect, but at least you know the reason that you played that player. I love it. It's it's a fantastic article every week, and I'm very heavily reliant on it in making decisions. And uh, it's, it's it's basically my tiebreaker. I have an idea where I want to go. Um, I look at my process. I look at who I think I'm going to play. If I'm really stuck, the primer is my 
my sort of tiebreaker I look at that and and it helps me evaluate and just clear some things up in my mind that I'm already formulating but it, it's not there or I haven't got to where I need to get to yet and and there's yeah. times it's taught me out of something I'm planning that would have blown up in my face so <laughs> you've won me a lot of games um and I I appreciate it and that's why I tweeted out it's I don't you know I, I happily share work with people but it's the one it's the one thing I read every week and and, and I really truly just like indulge I, I have a long commute to work and I, I love it it, it, it <laughs> takes the commute away and I uh, and it's it's brilliant I guess the, the one thing I'd want to ask we're trying to really grow the game here in the UK I think fantasy football has got a long way to go to catch up to fans in the NFL I think the fans here are brilliant and very knowledgeable and it's a fast growing sport probably the fastest growing sport in Europe but fantasy football is a long long way behind it's you know there's a good culture and it's growing but what would what advice would you give as a sort of from a, a starting point of view for people just getting into it um who have knowledge of the game but perhaps don't know about how to play the game what, what is there some really sort of strategy advice you can give them just to have a bit of a running start yeah um it would be almost like the mistakes not to make because i think that a lot of times like the the players that you know and the you know the talent that you see on the field so if you know the game you know the best players right you're like oh julio jones is like you know he's one of the best receivers so he's he's naturally probably going to be a good fantasy receiver right yeah and that's going to be the case but a lot of the mistakes you see people making is you know just because a quarterback you know like aaron Rodgers is one of the best quarterbacks to ever play the game or Tom Brady, just because those guys are really good at football doesn't necessarily mean that you should be drafting them in the fantasy football. So um, a lot of times it it just comes down to overvaluing a quarterback position, understanding the scoring in your league, uh, how many positions you're starting. There's, there's so much that goes into fantasy nowadays, but it's, it's become, there's, there's so much parody in fantasy football because information is just readily available. You know what I mean? Like you, you type in a cheat sheet and they're all going to come up. Like what you could do is ideally what you do is you, you know, you listen to podcasts like this one, you, you find your favorite analysts, the guy that, the guy that makes you feel better about drafting this guy or not drafting that guy. And you, you, you compare that with your own thoughts. And I tell people this all the time, you know, you mentioned you read the primer and I appreciate that. Um, people tell me, thank you. You know, they're like, oh, thank you. You know, you helped me win a championship. I'm like, no, no, no. I, I was there. And like, I'm glad that I was a part of that. But in the end, you're the person who has to, to set your lineup. You're the one doing it every single week. You're the one drafting your team. I wasn't there side by side with you telling you who to draft. So it's like you know, those things, it's cool hearing those things. But when it comes to this, just, just know the things not to do. Like that's my biggest advice is just like, take the players that how you'd rank them and then listen to your favorite analysts and maybe mix and match them. Use them, as you mentioned, as a tiebreaker. Like if you're torn between two players, use it as a tiebreaker. Um, but I always say find multiple people because I, I wish I was, but I'm, I'm going to be, I wish I was right all the time, but I'm not. So, you know, maybe you could find someone else that maybe there's something I'm missing in my research. You know, like last year there was someone who, who read the primer and I had, I think I had Robert Woods as a low end wide receiver too. And um, someone told me that Sean Corner, uh, one of the best rankers in the industry, that they, he had him at like number seven wide receiver that week. And he's like, Tags, why are you so low? Blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, well, this is what I think. Like, this, I, I felt like I didn't overlook that one. And Sean was like, oh, I didn't really think about that. So it's possible that not just me or the other analysts just missed something in their research because we only have so much time in between these games. Like the NFL season, I feel like analysts sometimes need like a bye week. And it's not because I want to rest or I want to go on vacation for a week. It's because I want to organize my thoughts and like keeping up with the spreadsheets. Like I've been talking with our devs this off season about, 
making life easier on me in season a little bit. Just like if I put something in one spreadsheet, could I have it pop up in like four different places so that it'll be easier for me to, to organize because I'll copy and paste and do all this stuff. And it's like trying to best organize it. So believe me when I say that there is nobody that puts in more time in season uh, than I do. It's not to say my process is perfect, but find those people that you trust, look up their rankings and just understand that that's a good starting point. And then from there, you're going to learn as the year goes on, you're going to find your favorite players. And then all you're going to do is you're going to come and use the articles that I write or whatever, or the rankings or whatever, whoever you're reading, you're going to use that as a tiebreaker. So that's basically what it comes down to. But, um, but yeah, finding your favorite analyst is probably the, the, the first step that you need to do because that, then at least you know you can trust their rankings because they're, they're well-researched. Solid in mind. Tags, you mentioned you were just off of your own podcast doing a mock draft. Should we talk some 2019 NFL draft? Yeah, for sure. Cool. Well, we'll run through positions as they are in fantasy football, seeing as we're a fantasy football podcast. Starting at the quarterbacks, do you think any of, these, any of the quarterbacks in this class are going to be fantasy relevant straight away? And if so... Who are they? And will you ever draft any of them this year? It's Kyler Murray is the only one uh, quarterback wise that will be have any fantasy relevance this year. Like I, I don't think Dwayne Haskins is probably going to start right away. He's only started one year in college. So is Kyler Murray. But um, Murray is with where he's going to be drafted and the team that's going to be giving up what they're giving up for him. They're likely going to have a hole at quarterback. So if it is the Cardinals, obviously Rosen's going to get traded because they're not going to carry both those quarterbacks. If it's the Giants, the Giants, I mean, Eli Manning's going to start the year it kind of makes me feel like a Lamar Jackson type scenario where it's like, I don't think that he's going to be a fantasy superstar. I don't think Kyler Murray's there. I think Kyler Murray, I don't think he should be starting right away, but I think he's going to based on where he's being drafted, um, that someone's going to push him into the starter role, even if he's not ready. Um, so, you know, he does have mobility and that's essentially, you know, what Josh Rosen carried last year. It's what Lamar Jackson gave you last year. So if you're looking for a streamer, I think that's Kyler Murray would be the guy that's going to be fantasy relevant, but I would not draft him um, because, as I mentioned, I unless he goes to the Cardinals, I don't think he starts day one um, because all the other teams have someone in place that they can start for a while. Um, but uh, I wouldn't draft him because he's a streamer. Uh, so essentially, unless you're getting one of those top tier guys, the ones that are you know going to give you QB one performances, you know, sixty percent of the time, which is very rare, um, a lot of those guys are streamers. So I'll grab two other guys that probably are people are sleeping on just a little bit more. So um, no, I wouldn't, be, I won't be drafting any rookies in fantasy football for the quarterbacks. Anyways, I missed out. Well, I wouldn't have drafted Murray anyway, because I don't think he's going to be that good compared to the people who was available in my draft. But I missed out on everyone else. And if you don't think they're going to play, then I'm glad I missed out on them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't think they're playing this year. Like some of the guys like Dwayne Haskins has a, he's probably my number one quarterback just because I think the ceiling with him, I think that his arm presents that. I think he's a, he's a traditional pocket passer though. And you could be looking at like a Ben Roethlisberger type player where it's like, he's, he's bigger, he's harder to bring down. He's not mobile. And those sometimes they don't make the best fantasy quarterbacks because they're not going to run the ball. So if they have an off day passing, it's really going to affect your fantasy team, which is why Ben Roethlisberger, unless he falls outside the top 12, I'm not going to draft him just because he's, he's very inconsistent um, in his, in his fantasy totals just because he he doesn't have a floor essentially because he doesn't run the ball and that's kind of where Haskins is so I don't, yeah I mean outside of Kyler Murray there's really no rookie that I'd be excited about drafting even to a dynasty team cool well you mentioned running the ball how about running backs do you think any of them go in the first round honestly I don't um I've done my mock drafts and I could see I, I mean I'm not I'm not gonna say it's not gonna happen because teams surprise us all the time um I don't think that a I don't think there's a running back that should go in the first round. And the reason I say that is because Josh Jacobs has some, some traits of, of some 
really good running backs, but there's a lot of question marks with him, right? He was part of a three-way timeshare. It wasn't even just like one other guy. And Damian Harris is not like he was like a world beater. He's a downhill runner. He's like a Mark Ingram. Whereas Josh Jacobs, he looks really good when he's on the field, but you also have to remember if he's in a three-way timeshare, he's always fresh when he's on the field. So it's like, you know, he's coming in off the bench. It's kind of like, so is he best suited for a timeshare role? Uh, he is a three-down pack. He can catch passes out of the backfield, but knowing that there's a big question about how he can handle a workload and how he would look being on the field for every down, that's different. And the fact that Nick Saban, I take, so, you know, if, if you're talking about a coach from, you know, North Carolina, or you're talking about Nick Saban, who are you going to trust more? It's actually Saban. So knowing it's like Alvin Kamara, people bring up the fact that he was in a timeshare in college and like, all oh, college coaches just don't know sometimes. I think Nick Saban has proven to us that he can judge talent pretty well. Um, so there are questions about Josh Jacobs enough for me not to take him in the first round. And David Montgomery is the only other running back that I think should be considered. Um, but him, there's questions about him. He's not a great pass catcher. He's serviceable, I guess. Uh, but he's not great. He's not a great three down back. So I personally don't think that there should be a running back in the first round. Will there be one? I think the Raiders are a team that could definitely do it. They have three draft picks, and you know, two of the picks are 24 and 27. So um, they're a team that you should watch that could potentially take a running back. But I, w- I also wouldn't be surprised if none of them do because I just feel like it is a weaker running back class. So do you, do you have David Montgomery as your second running back then behind Josh Jacobs? I go, yeah, I go back and forth with them. Like I feel like that David Montgomery is the safer play. Like If you're in like a dynasty draft right now, and it's like if it's PPR, I think I, I comped, my comp for Josh Jacobs was uh, Pierre Thomas and Pierre Thomas was really good. It's just that he wasn't meant for a big, huge workhorse role. Like he was better in a timeshare. And I think that that could be what Josh Jacobs is. Whereas David Montgomery, he would have been so good. Like if in the NFL, like, you know, eight years ago, eight, 10 years ago, because it's like running backs weren't as heavily utilized in the passing game. Um, but it's, the question becomes, can he take a step forward in the passing game? Can he, you know, at least be a, somewhat of a threat out of the backfield uh, to stay on the field for all three downs? And if he can, David Montgomery, he's, he's, he's the best runner in the draft in terms of what he can offer you. He can create yards. Uh, he doesn't go down in first contact. He, he's relentless, essentially, when he's carrying the football. So he's the best pure running back. Um, but as a pass catcher is where my concerns are. So Landing spot is going to make a big difference for me with these two running backs, depending on where they go. Um, but I've got I've gone back and forth, but with Josh Jacobs and David Montgomery is my one and two. Well, I suppose I should take David Montgomery in this stupid draft I'm doing as well because he's still there. <laughs> <laughs> Madness. Yeah. People, I think people seem. To, it, it seems to me like just judging from the rounds you're getting these guys in, is that uh, people are overvaluing IDP players. Um, yeah. They're kind of like a dime a dozen, and the the rankings will change week to week. Like. I've played in two IDP leagues. And I don't like them. I really just don't. I, I don't know. There, there's just week to week. It's so much. Un, it's, it's not predictable. Um, like you have to adjust it every single week. And basically, if you don't have the time to do that, which again, I mentioned I'm a bad owner now. Um, it's just really tough. But yeah, IDP is it's definitely diehards. Um, it takes a diehard to be good at IDP. Yeah, well, this is my first one. And people started taking IDPs pretty early. So I took a couple just in case I didn't want to miss out. On yeah. all the stud defensive ends, so I took a couple and then carried on filling out my offense. But but you did sit through you did sit through five rounds of kickers as well, and oh, yeah. at the end of the draft. So you know, oh man, kickers. So yeah, five rounds. Pretty much everyone drafted five <laughs> kickers except me. So I <laughs> I just filled up I ate on on offensive uh-huh. players. But um, so at wide receiver, who who's your number one, and and where's the best fit for him? 
so I've changed this one. It was DK Metcalf, but I've moved off and I've gone to AJ Brown. I just feel like AJ Brown is a little bit more versatile. Um, he doesn't, he's not as reliant on landing spot as DK Metcalf would be. Uh, whereas DK Metcalf can go to a team like the bills and, uh, have Josh Allen throwing him the deep ball, which uh, he's got the arm to get the ball down the field, but the accuracy is something completely different. So AJ Brown is my number one right now. Um, I personally would like to see him go to the Packers. I mean, I don't want him to go to the Packers because obviously, you know, I'm a Bears fan and I don't want, I don't want the Packers to be good, but being doing what I do for a job, I don't think about fandom about all this stuff, but I think AJ Brown uh, with the Packers, you know, losing Randall Cobb, not having a number two receiver to play with Devontae Adams. Marquez Valdez-Scantling was okay in the slot at times, but there were there's a lot of talk about off the field stuff where it's like he was listening to Mike McCarthy rather than listening to Aaron Rodgers. When Rodgers told him to be somewhere on the field, he was listening to McCarthy. And that's why Rodgers uh, ignored him at the end of the season. And a lot of people wondered why he went away. And so if he lost Aaron Rodgers trust, that's never a good thing. So it's like, they might be looking for a slot receiver and AJ Brown can play slot. He can also play in the perimeter. We saw him do that when uh, DK Metcalf hurt his neck. So uh, Metcalf is like this, the freak. He's the guy that, him and Hakeem Butler are the two that their ceilings are massive. Um, I think Hakeem Butler actually might have like less question marks than DK Metcalf, um, but Metcalf's size and speed, you can't teach it. And you know the reason that I think that it's very understandable if someone tells me that, that, that DK is their number one or that he goes first in the draft, uh, you know, the first wide receiver off the board, it kind of makes sense because DK Metcalf changes the way a defense approaches you. And I don't really care if he's not a great route runner. If you play press coverage against him, he can beat you in press, okay? So therefore, you don't want him to get a free release because his speed is not even built up. It's like legitimately on demand. Like he has speed right away. And it's like you, you want to get some hands on him, but he can beat press. So therefore, if he beats your, your press off the line, you're forced to shade a safety his way, which opens the entire other side of the field. Or if, you, if you're going to use a slot receiver underneath. So with the way that DK Metcalf changes the way you approach a team, like I don't think that Nikhil Harry is even close to that conversation. You don't change the way your team plays defense because Nikhil Harry is on the other team. You don't like you stick your cornerback on him and you let him deal with him. Um, but Metcalf changes the way he, he changes the scheme and like he will develop into a better route runner. The question is how good can he get? He's not Julio Jones. He's not Calvin Johnson. So I'm not one to compare him to those guys, but speed and size, of his and his hands to catch that deep ball. That's just stuff that can't be taught. So it's like, I understand the ceiling with him. Whereas AJ Brown is a little bit more of a safer player and he's, he's more ready to play right now. So I would actually, I'd like to see either of them go to the Packers because AJ Brown can play the slot. He can play the perimeter. Um, he would take a little bit away from Devonte Adams. Whereas DK Metcalf, if he went to the Packers, he would be awesome in that field stretching mode. Rogers has the arm to get the ball down the field and it would open things underneath for Devonte Adams. Who's going to start seeing more and more double coverage. So um, Aaron Rodgers needs some weapons in the end. That's how I feel is like, he needs some weapons. He's better than people think. That moves us on quite nicely to talk about tight ends. Cause I, I have a, a sneaky feeling that the Packers at 12 might be taking one of the, the top tight ends uh, off the board at, at 12. So for you, do you think it's, Fan or or Hawkinson that's the best tight end in this class from both a playing perspective and also a fantasy perspective? I think they all offer different things in terms of their skill sets. Like when you talk about Fant, Hawkinson, or even Irv Smith, Irv Smith is more like the joker, the move tight end. Uh, Hawkinson is more the traditional tight end. He can play an inline role as a blocker, but he can also catch passes. And then you have Fant, who's the the receiver. You know, he's not a, he's not much of a blocker right now. Um, so for fantasy purposes, it's Fant. 
Uh, Fant is the one. Um, he's the possession style. Like he could actually play. I don't want to say a number one receiver role, um, but he could play a possession style role in an offense where it's like you know I, that's why the Packers. I, I don't see them taking him at twelve, uh, but if he lasted to thirty. I think Fant would be awesome to go there because like rookie tight ends aren't on the field nearly as much as people think they are. They don't produce in year one. I want him to go to a place where it's like someone can teach him how to like, okay, what do you do? Well, okay. We know what you do. Well, you're a receiver. Okay. You do that extremely well. Let's, 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 let's have someone kind of teach you the ropes of the game. Jimmy Graham is like the perfect guy to do that uh, for Noah Fant. So he would fit in really well. And, you know, I talk about the Packers and I know we're back on the Packers again, but I feel like they've ignored it for so long. It's like they're expecting Aaron Rodgers to carry this team so far, so far. And losing McCarthy was huge because I think McCarthy was like holding the team back. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, you, it, at some point, you have to give him playmakers. Like, look what happened when the Patriots gave Tom Brady Randy Moss. Like, I think that type of stuff can happen. Now, Devontae Adams started out his career pretty shoddy, and it took some time for him to grow with Rodgers. And I think it's because Rodgers is a very trust-based guy. You have to learn. And, like, he, he develops chemistry with receivers that – really can't be taught like you know like it's not on demand like him and Jordy had that him and Devontae Adams have that so it's like the receiver that comes in is going to be more of a decoy than anything but they need someone to come in and 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 help that because otherwise you're just asking these second rate talents to do it and it continue you just can't continue to draft fifth sixth seventh round players and expect them to deliver round one round two results uh from players so they need to spend some equity on offensive players and I think this is the draft that they kind of can do it because they've, they've added some pieces in free agency, uh, especially on their front four, front seven, I should say, where they can't afford to take some offensive players in that first round. Yeah, fair. So you, your advice would be in a redraft league, don't touch any of the tight ends. But if you're playing a, in a dynasty league, you'd, you'd take fan if the value's right and the price is right. 100%. Absolutely. Yes. Don't draft them in a, in a redraft league. Like that, that's tight ends just rookie years. Like I did a piece uh, just recently talking about um, where a player is drafted in the draft and what it means for his fantasy stock as a rookie and tight ends. It doesn't even matter where they've been drafted. Like they're just not good. Like there's been, I want to say there's been one top 12 tight end over the past uh, 10 years uh, that, that was a rookie and it was Evan Ingram. And what it took for Evan Ingram to finish there was like, he had to have an injury to Odell Beckham injury to Brandon Marshall, Sterling Shepard missing some games. And that's what led to him actually stepping in and finishing with those numbers. So there's a whole lot of variables that have to come into it. And, uh, you're best off just staying away and redraft, but dynasty fan is the one I would want. Nice. Well, DSTs, obviously they don't, turn up in in their entirety in the draft and there isn't going to be any new ones but do you think any of the dsts see a major boost from the strong defensive class this year um you know it it really it's really tough to say uh i don't think that that we're gonna i'm gonna see a team that i'm just like oh my god all of a sudden they're gonna be a sleeper i think the browns have been a team that i've been stacking in dynasty continually getting players uh like because their defense has just been getting better and better and it's weird because people are going to say now they're going to be like well now they have this and they're going to be drafted higher I have the Jags and the Bears in a lot of dynasty leagues because a lot of a lot of people don't look to that. All they do is they look at last year's numbers and they're like, okay, this, yeah, they added him, but is he really going to do anything? And it's like, I just look for a team that has talent on the defense and it's like eventually that's going to, to shine through. And the Browns have been accumulating talent on the defensive side of the ball, uh, especially, you know, that front four is just nasty. Um, so I think the Browns are a team that I would definitely look forward to drafting. Like, and they're not known as like one of the top tier ones. But the draft, I don't know if the draft is really going to change so much for me because you look at the teams that are going to get those players. It's like the Jets, they're a really good one, but they're being drafted higher now. Um, You have the 49ers who 
their secondary is still a mess. Even if they take Quinn and Williams or if they get Bosa at number two, they still have that secondary is just a mess right now. Um, they have some work to do. So the Browns would be the team that I would say that is, um, I, I, I want to say they're ranked outside the top 10 that I would say they're, they're the team I would look to and probably take them. Nice. And then last question on the draft. Do you have any crazy deep sleepers that you think might be fantasy relevant in Dynasty this coming year? Uh, yeah. So one player that I, I kind of think, Jalen Hurd out of Baylor. Um, he's someone that he's, I don't even know if he's going to be drafted. And um, the reason is, is because there's an off, off the field question marks. He played for a different school, left his junior year. He was a running back. He had multiple thousand yard seasons as a running back and then decided I'm going to be a receiver for my senior year while switching schools. Like that is so hard to do, but he did well. Uh, he, he almost racked up almost a thousand receiving yards, five touchdowns in his first season as a receiver at Baylor. He's six, four, 220 some pounds. Um, he's a physical freak. Um, and knowing that he could play running back, knowing he could play wide receiver, it's like, can he be a Corderell Patterson, but maybe better? Um, you know, Patterson, when he first came into the league, people had some seriously high hopes for him. And, you know, maybe, maybe NFL teams just weren't ready for someone like Corderell Patterson when he came into the league. But nowadays, you're seeing a lot of these hybrid players and guys that can play multiple positions and being used. And, you know, even Corderell Patterson last year with the Patriots, they used him in some different ways. And he had a few fantasy relevant games. I think Jalen Hurd is a player that he's still developing, but the physical tools are there. Um, and the versatility that he brings to an offense, I think he's someone that could surprise. Uh, so as a late dynasty draft pick, I will take Jalen Hurd. Nice. Yeah, I think quite a lot of Rush Nation will as well now. That's, uh, and I think I might add him at the very end of my 46, 59, however many rounds it is. You might want to, yeah, you might want to put a post-it note on your computer because when you draft <laughs> him in, just doing some maths here, 14 weeks from now when your draft ends, yeah, yeah. Um, then, you know, you don't want to forget it. So maybe write that down. <laughs> I released a player profile today on another player. I don't, that's the thing. A sleeper can be looked at as a few different things, but he's a guy that's probably going to go in day three, uh, Emmanuel Hall. Um, He could go in the fourth, fifth round. So he's not necessarily a sleeper per se, but Emmanuel Hall reminds me a lot of Mike Wallace. And, um, you know, I think that he made Drew Locke look a lot better maybe than he should have at some points. So I think Emmanuel Hall is another guy that, you know, could be taken on day three, but could actually make an impact in the NFL. He's a good player. He torched the Gators this year. Yeah, he, I wasn't happy watching that. <laughs> he's a pretty smart route runner. He's not totally there yet. He's got some, there's some rough edges to his game, but there's some subtle things that he does that are really good. Perfect. Right, Tags, this has been an absolute blast. Would you like to let our listeners know where they can find you, your articles, where you're on Twitter? Yeah, I'm on Twitter at Mike Taglier NFL. Um, I, throughout the off season, I'm able to respond to a lot more people. And so in season, I'm really sorry if I don't get back to you. It's just because like I, the primer is what I want to do and so that everybody can kind of go to it and it answers kind of like everything. Um, but this is the off season where it's like dynasty and stuff like that. I do a dynasty trade value chart um, that basically helps you understand what the what a future draft pick is worth what a current draft pick is worth I've done articles on all this stuff if there's anything you ever want to know I, I promise you i'll do an article on it if i haven't already um but yeah it's all on fantasypros.com that's where i do all my work and um yeah just listen in on the fantasy pros football podcast um bobby and i we jab at each other and we just made a bet um that'll be on a podcast that's being released tonight um that whoever has the better mock draft accuracy for the nfl draft uh, the other person that loses has to dye their mustache. Uh, you know, I'll grow my beard out or whatever, but we have to dye it like Antonio Brown, and that sounds just <laughs> awful. Um, so I better not lose that. That's all I got to say. Just on your bets, have you had the butter on the pizza yet? 
I haven't. Uh, we're going to do a video on that. Uh, Bobby and I actually are going to the draft in Tennessee. Um, oh, cool. We're going to be out there, and hopefully, we get to meet some of the listeners and stuff like that. Um, so out there, I don't, I don't know. If Bobby has a plan for them because the, he wants to record it. He basically it's either that or I'm going to have to go down to St. Louis to hang out with him, and uh, he wants to record it basically to show people how much I'm going to love it. So uh, that'll be up on one of our social media accounts somewhere. He he is so proud he won that. He was telling us about it when he was on our show uh, in <sighs> December, but. Um, also, any any chance that the two of you or yourself might be heading over to London at any point for some of these games? Oh man, I would love to go to London. I've never been um, over there. Uh, would definitely like to, but for me, in season, it's it like it's funny because the Bears they just, they announced that the Bears Packers are going to be the, it's going to be the first game of the season on a Thursday. That is the only game of the year until like unless the Bears make it to the playoffs. That's why that's another reason I went to the playoff game was during the season I can't go to games, uh, and the reason that is is because it's my my job. So basically, with everything that I have going on through the week and all I'm doing, and then Sunday I do a live Q and A with our you know our followers, listeners, and it's like all this stuff. I really just, I can't afford to go and tailgate and spend time at a game and then it stinks. It's one of the downfalls of my job, but at the same time, watching NFL on TV for me is, it's, it's a blast as well. I still enjoy it. But so the, the Bears Packers game, that, that season opener, I'm actually going to be at that one because it's before the season even begins, really. It's like, it's the first game. So um, that's going to be the game of the year I'll attend and hopefully the Bears make the playoffs so I can go to Nice. Well, if you ever make it in the off season, there's uh, dinner and beers on us. Awesome. I appreciate it, guys. No worries. Mike, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on. And uh, I'm, I'm so saddened to hear that you won't be coming back on week five when you're not busy at all. <laughs> <laughs> no, I appreciate you guys having me on. It's always it's always fun talking football. No, we've loved it. Real pleasure. Yeah. Murph, hopefully I'll see you in the studio soon. But as always, Rush Nation, don't forget, keep rushing. HIV is still an issue in Montgomery County. The more open we're able to talk about HIV, we treat it like any other health prevention. PrEP stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis. People who are not HIV positive who may be at high risk for contracting the disease. This is a good choice for you. It's just a way for you to sort of take control and say, I'm going to do this to protect myself. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about PrEP, the HIV prevention medication. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.